Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus or Maxime today, but I am fired up to announce that rejoining me after way too long, the former Warriors specialist and beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, the current host of Locked On NBA and Locked On Heat, and a man who single-handedly destroyed one of my favorite brackets of all time with a stupid Lola Bunny take, Mr. Wes Goldberg. What's going on, Wes? Uh, still, I think my proudest moment in my Bay Area stint covering the Warriors was having Lola Bunny win the fictional basketball player bracket. It wasn't leading the you guys need to trade Clay Brigade. That that wasn't the the most important thing, or <laughs> that was Connor, and also definitely wasn't <laughs> ever covering a finals because apparently I never did that either. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. Hey, I was gonna have to work really hard to somehow put that in here, and now that we've done it, I'll just cross it off the list. We'll move right on, Wes. Uh, I joke, but I'm fired up to have you, man. We've yeah. got a real important bracket question to go through, and we'll bring that up in a second. Before we do, so I know you just attended a media day out on the East Coast, Miami. Fun. Like, do those things, after you've covered as many as you have, do you look forward to them? Are they a pain in the ass? I mean, how, how would you describe that? So usually, yeah, they're a pain in the ass. I don't enjoy them at all. It's a bunch of nonsense quotes, a bunch of it's, it's like the return of the scrum that you're, you know, any journalist is not excited for. However, this year, because I went as a podcaster and not as a writer, we were able to have our own little table set up almost like it was Super Bowl media row. Oh, nice. Um, and that was much cooler because instead of having to um, kind of go to the interview room and go to the, you know, where the scrums are being held, like the players are coming to me and my co-host and we're able to just sit down with them and interview them. So this was actually my favorite media day I've ever covered just because of the, it was a different experience. And now I, I, I get why people do TV and radio instead of writing for newspapers now is because it's just way more fun for things like this. Um, and, uh, and the access is just better because a player is a lot more likely to want to sit in front of a camera and talk than than have his words appear in a newspaper. I suppose sure. I'm not, like, I'm not like anti-newspaper by any stretch, but um, it was just a different kind of flavor to media day. I really enjoyed it. So you hate newspapers now. It's a good update. Um, and what you just said it is almost my experience exactly at Media Day, except for we weren't invited, didn't have a table, and nobody came by. But beyond that, dude, like it's almost a, a hit for hit. Um, if that's me, and you and I have always been pretty similar, if that's me, before I go, I'm going to try to come up with some question that shows the players like, oh, it's a little bit different. You know, like I'm kind of smart and I'm kind of funny. Here, here is yep. something that demonstrates our, that. Our question was, it was our yeah. Own. Did you have one? Yeah. Did oh, yeah. you have I one? And if you I did, had you I had an opening and I had a and I had a couple of closers too because I wanted to open. I wanted to bookend. Oh yeah. All the serious stuff in the middle, right? Yeah. You bookend on silly. 
So the the opening question was, hey, have you found a favorite restaurant or a food spot in Miami? Whatever they name one or two of them, and then the question is, would you rather do media day every week of the regular season or never get to eat at that restaurant ever again? Clever. Oh, that's very clever. And do you also give them some restaurant suggestions afterwards to kind of show like, oh, and I know this area pretty well. well. And- what ended up coming from that was just having full conversations for 10 minutes about just food in Miami. And that's <laughs> most of our interviews is like talking to Duncan Robinson about his favorite pizza spots, which I'm good with that. That's way more fun than talking oh. about like, it's best case, dude, because they'll fucking remember you, you know, yeah. like, I mean, like, that's the kind of thing that'll stick out in their head. Did you tell them how much you like candy corn or did that not come up? Never made it into the conversation, it although it is rather close to Halloween. So I'm surprised that didn't come up right there. It was probably your closure question. Yeah. Is what color of the candy corn is the best color? Yeah. <laughs> the white, the white part right at the top. Uh, the there. last question was, uh, what's something that Jimmy Butler is not good at? And that got everybody. <laughs> Hair care, from what I can tell, is his uh, dreadlocks as ridiculous uh, up close as they are on screen or no? Do they look a little bit better? More ridiculous up close. (laughs) Look way more fake up close. And you could see like the little bands and stuff that he has to put in to keep it like structured and together. (laughs) Do you know how disappointed I am that you didn't show up to media day with your own fake dreadlocks? And like what an incredible statement that would have been. You probably would have been invited. I don't know that I could get away with that in 2022. No, I don't think there's, I think you would have been canceled immediately, but it would have been an incredible statement. You know, God knows what that statement was. Wes, let's jump in. Jersey. (laughs) Just go all the way in. Fuck it. You know, if you're going to be fired, man, you might as well go out in a blaze of glory. It could say canceled underneath the number, you know, in addition to, uh, into Sarver. Let's flip over to Golden State. Um, and so we've done this a couple of times. I like during the season to do the whole glass half full where we look back at recent stretch and you tell me something you like you didn't. For this one, look at the offseason as a whole, right? Because we haven't gotten a sense of what your opinions are. And give me something you like or something you didn't um, during these last few months and to give you some time to think. I will give you my response. Um, so this has been a very successful offseason in my mind. With the exception of Gary Payton II, pretty much everything we wanted to see, man, happened. Uh, they got completely healthy. Wiseman is at camp now, supposedly 100%. Clay is 100%. He's posting videos of himself uh, looking phenomenally healthy. And even uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., who is the guy we picked up in the first round, had some ankle stuff that has been dogging him since high school, but it sounds like he is good to go. sounds like we're motivated. Uh, They just got this quote from Steph during media day. Quote, I feel like in my head, I'm still getting better. Hopefully we can win a couple more championships. So love to see that. And they got the whole veteran reinforcement thing, man. So like, For a while there, during the dynastic run, the Warriors were that veteran spot where if you cared more about championships than money, over you came, you know, and then we lost that for a while. Looks like it's back. We got Jermichael Green. um, We got Dante DiVincenzo. So, you know, what do I like about the offseason? Fucking almost everything. A successful one. But I'm a homer, and you have always been much better at kind of tempering those expectations, right? So, Looking at it uh, from afar, what do you think, man? Like or don't like this offseason? I like it uh, is the short answer. But I have always been sort of anti-youth movement with Golden State. I've never really made that a secret. I just never really understood why you would bother using those picks um, on on players who aren't going to help you uh, if you're trying to win a championship. And in one respect, I was right. Because as much as Jonathan Kaminga flashed and, and Moses Moody has been sort of fun, like those players didn't matter in the playoffs they did not help the warriors win that championship turns out they didn't need them they still won the championship 
But now that they've won the championship, I know that everybody wants to win more. And Steph is saying maybe we can win another couple uh, uh, rings here. But you don't really have to at this point. Like any other championship now yeah. is icing on the cake. And um, and that's a, that's, a, that's a luxurious spot to be in if you're the Golden State Warriors. So now I'm all the way in on the youth movement, right? Now I'm, I've completely flipped. I'm all the way in. And I kind of like that. Yeah, you bring in Jermichael Green and Dante DiVincenzo, but you, you, you did lose more veterans than you brought back. And it yeah. is very clear that the Warriors are going to have to rely on Kaminga and Moody and James Wiseman, who's yep. back. And that's a big half full thing, right? James Wiseman being healthy. I did get a chance to actually catch up with him a little bit at Summer League in Vegas. And 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 um, he, he feels great. And he seems really enthusiastic about the season. Um, so now I'm all the way in on the youth movement. I love it that they're probably going to sacrifice, I think, some regular season wins. Uh, I actually don't like them at all, like those odds to be the number one seed in the West. I don't, I don't like those odds. I don't think they will be the number one seed. I don't think it matters. I don't think they care about the number one seed. I think they're they're caring about the playoffs. And to me, what this season or what this offseason has basically projected and what the Warriors have projected is, hey, we're going to get our young guys, our yep. second-year players and third-year players, minutes in the regular season. And even if that cost wins, if Steve Kerr is not going to chase wins, if you want to bring that back. Right. And, but we're going to get these guys minutes so that they can develop so that by the time the playoffs roll around, when we know we're going to need them, they'll be more ready then than they are now and potentially ready to help us, you know, even as not a number one seed, get through the Western Conference. So I love the long the long view that this organization is taking now, despite the fact that you're just coming off of a championship and most teams would just be thinking, repeat, 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 not to say that they're not, but they're taking a long view version in, in sort of that, in trying to accomplish that goal. Any truth to the rumor you spent your entire time with James Wiseman talking about his favorite Miami restaurant? <laughs> uh, where did he go to? Where was that steak dinner that I wrote about? <laughs> you don't, don't feel the need. You don't have to answer that at okay. all at all. all right. I will back up and agree with you. So I, I think the first 15 games for the Warriors are going to be really important for random reasons. So I don't think they give a shit about the first seed. I don't think they care about the regular season. They learned that last year. You know, make it to the playoffs, stay somewhat healthy, and then, you know, let the chips fall where they may, which is what brings it back to those first 15 games. So, like, look at last year. Last year was about getting Clay right, figuring out who they were. They, again, didn't care about the seeding at all. But they started so fucking hot, Wes, and, you know, had had such a streak to begin the year that they ended up caring about seeding just because they were at the top of the, the heap and kind of wanted to maintain it. So next year, and the beginning of the schedule does look kind of soft. I think if they start out red hot again, they may try to maintain it and go for a top seed. But if that doesn't happen, I think you're 100% right. I don't think they care about the regular season. Put differently, don't bet on the Warriors winning the West during the regular season. You know, I don't, I don't think that's their goal, and I don't think that's what ultimately happens. All right, that in tow, let me push us towards why I really have you here. So this is a continuation, Matt. We've got a bracket segment going. You know how much I love brackets. I've included it in the intro. I haven't dropped the uh, resentment I have for you since our last fake, you know, best all-time uh, fictional player bracket. And today's bracket is a little bit more serious. So last week, we put together a list of the top 10 most important people to the Warriors dynasty. We threw them into a bracket, and we uh, whittled it down to a final four. So here's our top 10 from last week. Steph, Clay, Draymond, Kerr, Lacob, Myers, Durant, Andre, Wiggins, and Livingston. And after a couple of rounds, here's our final four. Steph, Clay, 
Draymond and Kerr. And today you and I are taking the front half of that. It's Steph Curry versus Steve Kerr. And we're trying to figure out who's the most important as far as those two to this uh, dynastic run. So I'm pretty sure I know who the answer is going to be. I mean, fuck it. I'm pretty sure I know who's going to win this whole bracket. But it still brings up some interesting questions, which is why I need you. And here's our first. Could Steph Curry have won a title without Kerr coaching? What do you think? I'm going to interrupt here for a second because I appreciate you bringing me on for the bracket here. I don't appreciate you bringing me on to the end. And I feel like this was a way to stop me from screwing up your bracket. There is somebody glaringly missing from this bracket who I would have pushed. From what are you doing? You're going backwards now? What are you going you backwards everything on your I mean, my God, man, I don't think that's how it works. I don't think you can put somebody else in once you're down to the final four. Who's your guess for who you're missing, who I want to include here? And it's not Lola Bunny. Uh, That would have been my guess. And don't take my humor from me. Um, Jerry West. No, it's not Jerry West. uh, Because I think that whole thing about how he, never mind. Um, It's David Lee, man. No, it's not. Why? Because the University of Florida, you weirdo? He's no, not. There's, gross, zero, no. there's no reason for, no. for David Lee to be a part of this. First of all, Hurricanes fan and go Knights. <laughs> um, it's David Lee. David Lee needed to be included in this bracket, and I'm going to tell you why. Remember the 2016 finals. Warriors down 1-2 to the Cleveland Cavaliers. A Cavaliers team without Kevin Love and without Kyrie Irving, but LeBron James going nuts. Uh, Della Vadova giving Steph Curry fits um oh what is this some kind of alternate history i do not remember any of the della delova uh, problems in any way shape or form timothy mozgov just dominating the boards it just uh, tristan thompson likewise the warriors had no answer despite the lakers being shorthanded and it looked like golden state in their first uh bout for a championship were gonna lose and then that would have been the it they would have just been another team uh, of a bunch of youngsters uh, and upstarts who were a feel-good story in the playoffs, but ran into LeBron James and then just couldn't get over the hump, uh, get over the hump, and that would have been it. Would have been no Warriors dynasty. But then what happened? Fourth quarter of Game Four, Steve Kerr go. Oh, I'm sorry, of Game Three, Warriors down, uh, or they were gonna go one, down one-two. But in the fourth quarter of Game Three, Steve Kerr goes deep into the bench and grabs David Lee, plays him ten and a half minutes. And the Warriors outscore the Cavaliers by 18 points in David Lee's 10 and a half fourth quarter minutes. Now, the Warriors were coming back from way behind and had no chance of coming back in that game. But that decision and David Lee appearing in those finals after having not played before changed the tide of that entire series because he then plays major minutes in game four. The Warriors win. He plays a bunch of minutes in game five the Warriors win, and then he plays a little bit in game six, and the Warriors win. Without David Lee, there is no championship to begin with in 2015, and there is no Warriors dynasty to even talk about. So I'm going to say David Lee should have been way higher and should have been included in this bracket. To be fair to you, you know how many times I've had conversations just dissecting, going into, trying to really figure out David Lee's impact on the 2015 first championship? Zero, dude. That's never happened at any point over any drinks with anybody at 
any stage and will not happen. Look, I love David Lee. He was our first all-star since like Latrell Sprewell, if memory serves. But the most important thing he did for this dynasty was get hurt and let Draymond start. I mean, oh, like I, I, and everything else he said, like Mozgov dominating. This is like one of those Amazon Prime series where there's an alternate history. You know, like what if like the Russians had won the the race to space or something? Like I don't I don't know what final series you watched, but it's ridiculous to let you finish off this preposterous take. Who do you take off the list? Livingston, Wiggins. Who does David Lee get up yeah. and above? Take Wiggins off. You don't need him. He's too <laughs> yeah. Take Wiggins off. I, you've already won by dedicating the last 45 seconds to David Lee. I don't even know how this happened. And you have. You have, in fact, broken my bracket without <laughs> even trying. You know, I mean, it's a David Lee conversation. Now, we are done with David Lee. I want your opinion on Steve Kerr versus Steph Curry. And most specifically, it's a real question, right? Do you think Steph could have won a title if Kerr had never coached him? Does that mean Mark Jackson was still there? So I, I know because I would have asked it that way, right? I mean, that I, right. I, I don't think Mark Jackson ever would have won a title with Steph or anybody else, but I don't want to jump down a Mark Jackson rabbit hole. I no, want no, you so to let's look say, at it. Because I think the second choice was what? Stan Van Gundy, if I remember right. Yeah, sure. So, um, I think Stan Van was back then still okay. He still liked that inside out ball. I don't know that he would have been forward looking enough to go ahead with Draymond in that way. I think he probably would have started Iguodala. Um, but it's still Steph Curry. I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, somehow, some way, I think Steph would have won a championship without yeah. Steve Kerr, but probably not as many, but he would have won. So that's my exact, uh, that answer. Exactly. I think once we have decided that Steph is the type of all world talent, all of us kind of, you know, agree on that. He is top five in the league today and where he lands all time is a conversation we'll have down the road, but certainly has the kind of talent where he would have won a title. So I think he definitely wins one, but I don't think he wins four without Kerr. You know, Kerr came at the exact right time. His system capitalizes on everything that Steph brings to the table. And that culture that Kerr helped kind of bring is also why we got all these free agents. So I think, yeah, he wins one, but he doesn't win as many. How about the other side of the coin? Would Kerr have won a title without Steph if he was coaching somewhere else? Well, if he would have taken the Knicks job, the answer is clearly no, yeah. right? But um, no, that I, I think for the coach, it's a good question, but for the coach, it so much matters more who what player you're tied to yeah. than anything else. So if Steve Kerr ended up coaching LeBron somewhere else, yeah, he probably would have won one. If he would have coached another great player somewhere else, he probably would have won one, but it's hard to tell. Yeah, I, I think that one's a little bit less definite. You know, as confident as I am that Steph's talent would have won out, I don't know if Kerr's system would have won out without the exact right pieces. Yeah. So you're right. We, we drop another dominant all-time athlete in here, like a LeBron or Timothy Mozgov, you know, depending on the year. They, I, I think he probably could have pulled it out, but he would not have won multiple no, titles. No, if, if the real alternative universe here, which was so close to happening, was Steve Kerr coaching the Knicks. Like if we're going to talk, yeah. if we're really right. talking about this, what would have happened was he coaches the Knicks for two years. No, you don't. I don't care if it's Steve Kerr. You're not getting any free agent to, to New York because of Dolan and everything that's going around there. So uh, he probably coaches for two years, gets fired because everybody gets fired from New York and he's back on TNT broadcasting. Yeah. And then we don't have Reggie Miller. So it might have actually been a, a better universe for all of us to live in. But um, here we are. What's your favorite Steph moment of all time? And if you want some time here to think, because I've, I, I always get this huge advantage because I author most of these questions and then think about right. them before I ask them to you guys. 
So I've broken mine down on the floor, off the floor, right? On the floor, it's new. I think it's that last game four against Boston. It's him screaming at a hostile crowd, where is my fucking ring or give me my fucking ring. And now we've also heard stories insinuating that at that point, Draymond was having a little difficulty with the crowd and Steph was trying to get everybody's ire onto him. You know, so those two things together, what he did on the floor and how he demonstrably took pressure off of a guy who desperately needed pressure off of him. That's my favorite on court moment off the floor. I got a couple of random ones, Wes. Uh, there was a time where, and we see this in teams all over the place, but the Warriors, and I forget what year this is, maybe 2018, but the Warriors in post games would come and dump cold water on whoever it was who was being interviewed by you know, the TNT crew or whoever it was. Right. And so Steph is being interviewed. He's had this incredible game and the camera catches Draymond trying to sneak up and he's going to pour this, this cup of ice water on him. Steph, without turning around, takes a towel and flicks it over his left shoulder and knocks the cup out of Draymond's hand like a military sniper. I've never seen anybody do never anything more impressive yeah. than that. It was, it's the most inc like incredible display of hand-eye coordination I've ever seen. And I'll give you one other random one. A similar year, I was lucky enough to go to Warriors practice. And at that point, you know, the Warriors practices were like, the go-to place for celebrities everywhere. Just random ass fools would show up. I remember like Guy Fieri was there and yeah. you know, people from all walks of life. But in addition to the celebrities, there was also a high school girls team from a local school. And so, you know, you've been to a thousand of those practices. They, they let the media in. Everybody is desperate to get Steph's attention. Celebrities from all walks of life are trying to, you know, inadvertently be noticed by Curry. And instead of going to any of them, instead of spending one second with any of them, he stopped by each one of those individual high school girls and said something that made them feel special. I couldn't hear what they were saying, but you could see the facial expression. He obviously said something personal or something that lightened up each and every one of their individual days. So, yeah. you know, fuck, dude, this guy's been a part of my life now for you know, about a decade, I guess, a decade and a half. And it's the stuff he's done off the floor. The stick was with me almost as much as what he's done on it. Um, so there you go. I vamped for almost 20 minutes there, man. What do you got? I gave you a lot of time. Who's your favorite so stuff now? On the, court, on the court moment is actually not a moment that I covered stuff. Um, I'm going to go back to when I was first. It was during the finals? No, it was actually the, uh, what was that? When was the Clippers series? Was that 20? I don't know. I was just joking that you haven't covered a finals. Normally you oh. roll with me and all past jokes, man. No, You're giving no, me real specific. The fumes were coming out of my ears, man. I don't have any room. For my The CPU was too high. I don't have any room for jokes. Um, <laughs> it was the 2014 or the 2015 playoffs where they played the Clippers and Steph went off and that was sort of his coming out moment. I want to say it was 2014, but it was whatever playoff series that was. And it was the same year as the Spurs. They yeah. played the Clippers and the Clippers was at 2014, right? 14. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna just go. I'll go. I'll go both of those series. I'll go vague. The 2014 playoff run. Obviously, the Warriors didn't get to the finals, but that was. I remember I was still living on the East Coast at that time before I moved back. Uh, before I moved over to the West Coast the first and last time, but um, just sitting on on a, on the couch at like one o'clock in the morning, one thirty in the morning, because it was East Coast, watching the end of the game, those games, and just being like, "What on earth is happening?" And I remember like being the NBA fan that I was and am feeling something changing feeling like the lead, like that it was important even yep. though it was like a second round play, like who cares it's the, yep. it's the early round of the playoffs nobody cares but in that moment i cared because you could tell it was important so i'll go with that um as far as the on-court moment um and in terms of the off-court moment that I'll, I'll go to practices as well just being able to watch stuff just 
handle those practices the way that he did. Um, and just, just getting a front row seat to just stand there. I don't know, a half a dozen feet away from him and just watch him hit 73 pointers in a row and then get yep. really pissed off when he missed the 71st, um, and doing those things and, and working out with Bruce Frazier with the crazy threes that he was taking and all that kind of stuff. Um, that was, that's the sort of thing that I'll be able to talk about for the rest of my life, being that's in right. practices that other people were not privy to and just being like, you know what? We all saw the finals and, and everything that he was able to do on TV and all the records that he has and all these things. We all saw it. It was all on TV or we were at the games. Um, but I, Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Got a chance to see him work to get to the point where he was able to do those things. Sure. And that, that to me is really cool. How about Kerr? Take me behind the scenes there. Favorite moment for him. Um, and again, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of time to think. Uh, and this is all recency bias. For me. This one's somehow easier than the Steph Curry one, but go ahead. Boom. Well, if you've already got one, I'll keep mine short um, and I'll keep it just on the floor. So you know, Kerr has changed culture here. You've heard me say that a million times. And most recently, the thing that impressed me was his willingness to sit Draymond. You know, in, in those finals, in the, with the stakes being as high as they possibly could with a player whose that decision could have not only impacted that series, but his relationship with overall, he had the balls to do it, pulled it off, and it made a gigantic difference. It's one of the reasons the Warriors won the title. So, you know, in a dynasty's worth of coaching decisions, all of which have been impressive, I think it's that call to sit Draymond that sticks out. Um, but for you, having seen this guy behind the scenes, in front of him, in the whole nine yards, what sticks out for Kirk? On court, clipboard over the knee in Sacramento. Easy. Number one seed, done deal. That's my favorite moment. <laughs> Steve Kerr getting really angry. It's my favorite version of Steve Kerr is when he's just 110% PO'd. You know, I love it. Um, off the court, I would say the year where they were, where, where Steph broke his hand and they were, and no Clay Thompson, and they were terrible the year after Durant left. And just the, the, the grace with which he handled that season, I thought it was just really impressive. I mean, just that was the first, that was my first year as the beat writer. And I was on the road with them for the entire season until basically um, the pandemic hit and just being asked all the time about, is it hard to be losing after winning so much by every beat writer on in the country on the road and, and hearing him have to answer that question. I'm not even kidding. Probably 300 times. Like, just an unbelievable amount of times in a, in this, and just being able to answer it with a straight face every single time and handle himself and that team and losing the way that he did. Um, that was really cool. And I think, I, I don't think that the Warriors win these finals, if not for those seasons and the lessons he learned, I think he's a much better coach now than he was even when they were winning multiple championships. 
I, I don't think it's close. I think he's a much better coach now than he was then. And I think you have to, in some weird way, credit those bad years for what they're able to do this last year. Of course. Um, and, you know, all with a grain of salt, bad years. I mean, he only had a couple of them. His winning percentage is no joke. Random question. On Steve Kerr. One other thing on Steve Kerr. My other favorite thing was even after he was done talking to media and he, he fulfills his media obligations, man, like with a smile, like a champ, he he's fine to do it. And, and he does more than he has to. Um, but they we just came like, from the media, right? He knows, he knows what the hell you guys are coming through. He knows what you're looking for. You know, he knows yeah. how to fill the quotas. And I think he's just, I think he genuinely likes to talk. I think yeah. he just enjoys talking, um, talking like baseball after a Warriors practice with him. Like, cause he's a big Dodgers fan, just talking Dodgers and stuff and whatever's going on with that. That was always fun. Like he would just hang out after the scrum and just talk about, you know, current events and baseball and things like that with whoever wanted to listen and talk. And, and that was always cool. Are you ever totally comfortable in those conversations? So maybe this is just me projecting, you know, but I would be so desperate for Kerr's approval constantly that if he started talking to me off the record, whatever it is that he said, I bet you I would just agree with, you know, it'd be like, you know, don't you like baseball? I'd be like, yes, I love baseball. And then, and then he, he points out, but actually I don't like it that much. I'm like me neither. I hate baseball. Like whatever it is he wanted me to say, I feel like I would do. Are you that bad? Did you play it better? The, the part of the charm of Steve is that y you don't really feel that way. And I, I really do. I think that's kind of his, I think as an X's and O's coach, he's good. He's not the best in the league. I think as even a team manager, I think he's good. He's not the best in the league as a player development guy. He's, he's okay, but he, he recruits a lot of help in that regard. Yep. Um, I think the thing that makes Steve Kerr is the charm and it's making people comfortable and it's not just the media, it's his own players. It's the people it's managing up with his yep. GM and the owner and things like that. Um, so I just think with him, um, you never really felt like that. It was just a very down to earth kind of vibe, very Phil Jackson esque. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's how it felt. I'll both agree and disagree. Agree that yes, that's his his greatest skill, and I think he would tell us that. Disagree that that's how, or he doesn't necessarily make you feel like you should be agreeing. I've met Steve Kerr, and I desperately tried to impress him over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, final follow up on that: Have you ever broken anything out of anger? You know, so Kerr broke the clipboard, you know, and we know what kind of competitor yes. he is. Um, ones. Really? We're doing like over what? And how'd you like, break um, it? Like one of the wheelie chairs, like for a desk, you know, it's, they usually come in two parts, like yeah. you have the chair part. And then you have like the, the, the bar with the, the, the four wheels or underneath it. I threw it against the, uh, against the floor, I threw it against the floor. Were you like coaching for Indiana? Why? What, what made you that angry? <laughs> what was that coach's name? Oh, Bobby what? Knight. Bobby Knight. Uh, arguing with an ex. Oh man, this is an exciting story, dude. I, I want, when we get uh, off air, I'm going to want some more details. I don't think I've ever broken anything. If I have, it's been like super weenie. Like I was like taking a final, got frustrated and like broke my pencil, you know, and then was just screwed. Had to like write the rest of the final with a broken pencil. Like definitely nothing exciting, like a broken chair in a relationship. That's yeah, uh, I definitely never got that upset over academics. <laughs> <laughs> you leave that for your relationships. Fair enough. Uh, let's turn to our next question, man. Is Steve Kerr the best coach the Bay Area has ever seen? So I've done a little bit of research here, and here is who I think should be the candidates. John Madden for the Raiders, sure. Tony La Russa for the A's, it's Bill Walsh for the Niners, yeah. it's Bochi for the Giants, and then it's Kerr for the champion, or yeah. for sure the champions, Kerr for the, uh, the Warriors. I'll save Kerr's accomplishments for last. So Madden, he's got one title in 77. 
but has become his own brand, you know, especially with the video game franchise and the uh, the career in the media. La Russa also only won championship. Uh, that was in 89 for the A's. Bill Walsh, I think, is the guy who comes the closest. He's got three titles, 81, 85, and 88. And he established a whole new system, you know, yeah, the, the West awesome. Coast offense and the, the five-yard pass and everything that came with it. And then Bochi, also three championships, 2010, 2012, and 2014. But I think it's Kerr, and I'm not sure it's close. So, again, recency bias and sports bias, man. You know, right. I'm, a, I'm a Warriors guy more than anything. But here's what I found for Kerr. Four championships, so more than any of the people I just named, 15, 16, 17, and 22. He reached the finals in six of his eight years as a coach so far, including five straight to begin his career. He has the highest postseason winning percentage of any NBA coach in history. He's winning at a 73% clip, 93 and 34, and one of the best regular season percentages as well, uh, 68%, where he's 4-29 and and 200. And his five straight NBA finals appearances are the second longest in NBA history. But I'll take it a step further. Wes, this team was so shitty, man. They were so sad. They were so depressing. They, they sucked my soul for decades and now are the, you know, the, the shining light in the Bay Area. They are the reason why we are a championship landscape. And next to uh, Curry, I think Curry is one of the biggest reasons for that. So I'm going to say, in my opinion, Kerr is the best coach in Bay Area history. Am I right? What do you think? Top 15 coach in NBA history as well, um, according to the league itself. The only thing with Steve is that there is a little bit of um, how much of it is Steph Curry kind of thing happening. Because the yep. two years where he didn't have Steph for whole seasons, he missed the playoffs entirely. That's that's a kind of, that's a blip on the on the resume, right? Okay. There, there's a little smudge. There's, that's a mustard stain there. Yep. Um, I think it's Walsh, I, and maybe that's me. I, I usually try to go against the recency bias, but like you could still tell Walsh's impact on the NFL right now today, and that was in like the, the '70s and the '80s that we're talking about him coaching and making uh, and winning all those the, the the Super Bowls that he won. Like the inventing the West Coast offense is the reason Kyle Shanahan is in the NFL as a head coach right now. Like I, I think it's Walsh just because his impact is so pervasive and so long lasting on the on the sport that he coached. Not to mention on the Bay Area too. I mean, the Bay Area still likes the 49ers, and the 49ers really haven't done a whole lot. I, they've won a, a super, they've gotten to Super Bowls and championship games and stuff, but like he made I thought. I don't know. I'm not a San Francisco expert, but it kind of feels like he's the reason why football matters in the Bay Area uh, because it's not college football, right? Nobody cares about college football in the Bay Area. So um, it's just sort of Walsh. Um, but I think Steve Kirk could get there, but I would probably go with Walsh right now. I think what you are saying, what I might have to agree with is time will tell, right? And the yeah. coaching trees thing is real. You know, Bill Walsh, we can now that it's been long enough, you can go back through and you can trace the coaching trees that came directly from his style and all of the other coaches he created for Kerr. We got a couple of them, you know, Luke Walton got a job. And I think as we, we start moving out, that coaching tree is going to get a lot longer and we'll see the impact. But as of right now, I, I, it's hard I to see. I don't think Kerr has that kind of impact long-term. I don't think 20, 30 years from now, coaches in the NBA are looking back at what Steve Kerr did. I, I think they'll be more looking at what 
the Warriors did under Steve Kerr, but I don't know that Steve Kerr individually will have that kind of impact. Well, it bleeds into what we were just saying, right? I mean, if if the most important thing Kerr has done has changed the culture and it's the personalities that he has sculpted, not necessarily the offense or defense, well, that's a real subjective thing. You know, it's not objective like the West Coast offense where you can, you know, trace the exact system that uh, Walsh put into play. And even the system that's coming out from the Warriors, the pass-heavy, movement-heavy uh, offense and the switch-everything defense, I think Kerr would tell you isn't just him. You know, it's people like Mike Brown. It's people like Bobovich. It's people like Ron Adams. It's all the other guys who've contributed to it. So it's a it's a harder thing to define. But here's why I'll back my uh, my final push on why it's Kerr. Again, it's objective. Four versus three scoreboard. He's got four titles. It's got to mean something. Well, He's if got you're going to do that, that's fine. Yeah, I can't argue with that. No, it's what I'm going to do. It's 100% what I'm going to do. And I didn't necessarily like that you didn't agree with me. Um, although I will agree when you said that you aren't necessarily an NFL coach expert. I think we can all come to that okay. conclusion. Yeah. I didn't say that, but okay. I feel like you did. I don't know. If you didn't, you should have. And if you had I said it. San Francisco expert. <laughs> or a coach expert. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Fair enough. Give me your final answer. Steve Kerr versus Steph Curry, who's been more important to the Warriors dynasty. And if you said David Lee, I'm hanging up right now, and I'm just – this is the end of our friendship. Dave uh, – You bastard. Um, I'm going to go Steph Curry, but I appreciate that Steve Kerr got this far. And, and, and the reason I say that is because even when I was covering the Warriors, it was amazing to me how many people, Warriors, quote-unquote, fans, being like, fire Steve Curry doesn't know what he's doing. Like, talk about not – coaching experts most fans most fans are not coaching experts most fans think their coach sucks i don't know why i'm dealing with it now covering the heat like people are like eric spolster has no idea what he's doing i'm like are we are we watching the same nba because i really don't understand how anybody can have that opinion steve kerr's an awesome coach i'm glad he got this far he deserves so much credit but it's steph curry he's an all-time great there's no argument there yeah it's it's not a fair matchup you know, um, there there is no underestimating how much Kerr meant to this franchise and means to this franchise. But if you match him up against a guy who's going to go down as one of the greatest of all time and perhaps the greatest Bay Area athlete of all time, it is what it is. He's going to lose this matchup, but it doesn't diminish what he's done. I'm going to take us a step back because I want your opinion on it. So we've already litigated this. I've already got a few opinions on it, but I want yours. One of the matchups we already did was Kerr v. Lakeup. Who would you have gone there? Who's more important? Kerr. Why? It's not even close. I can't believe this is an argument. It's a huge argument. Why? Why is it not even close? And if for those who aren't aren't Patreon supporters and can't watch the video, you should have seen the dismissive look that Wes just dropped into that camera. It was incredible. He communicated what a stupid fucking waste of time in a single glance of his eyes. That was phenomenally well done. Joe Lakeup is a good owner. Great, great owner. Joe Lakeup is a great owner. I ha- I'm not arguing with that. I have no argument with that. One and you shared a beer with him in the cantina club, right? Like you I, guys are boys. I, I, I very much liked my time spent spending time with Joe Lakeup. I, he's very fun to listen to talk. They <laughs> talk with him. He just kind of <laughs> listens to him. But um, <laughs> he, a, he's a better businessman than important than, than, and, and better timing is his best asset. He, bought the Warriors at a dirt cheap price just as Steph Curry was coming up. The Warriors are not the Warriors without Steph Curry. That is the reason for this bracket. It exists. Joe Lacob does not look nearly as good as an owner if he never has 
buys a team that has Steph Curry on the roster. Even if Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, a, a bunch of other future Hall of Famers are on this roster, sure. it doesn't look nearly as good. It's not nearly as viable as a business if Steph Curry isn't booming this. But this is why players like Steph and LeBron and KD and these guys are so dramatically underpaid is because Steph Curry built Chase Center, yeah. not Joe Lacob. Joe Lacob spent the money that he made because Steph Curry was on a roster that he inherited. I like Joe Lacob a lot. He is a great NBA owner, but he has nothing to do with the dynasty at all. <laughs> That's not fair. He has something to do with the dynasty. You don't have to take away all of his credit. His checkbook made a huge difference to the people who are on that floor and, and contributing to the dynasty. No. For this last championship, that mattered, his willingness to pay. But the Warriors were a dynasty before this last championship, so I don't even count this last championship in this bracket. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Um, no, come on, man. I did not, of all the possible responses to Curvy Legum, I did not expect you to drop a what a stupid fucking question look and then no. say... Lakeup has great no owner. Role. I'm not trying to dismiss Joe Lakeup. He's a great owner after the fact, though. What he has done with this business that he that he bought and and helped, you know, turn into what it is. And he definitely helped the culture of it. And I'm not taking away anything from him as a businessman. And the Warriors are one of the most uh, lucrative franchises in the NBA for a reason. And he's a big part of that. But he has nothing to do with the dynasty. <laughs> he just has everything to do with building a great business off of a dynasty that's Steph Curry and Steve Kerr and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and the players and the players and the coaches, the people who win basketball games, those guys are in charge of the dynasty. Joe Lacob is in charge of capitalizing off the dynasty. This is a white hot take. And on the off chance that Ray Ritter is listening, it's not me saying this, know that I support Lacob entirely. And I don't know why Wes has decided to hate the ownership for the Warriors. Uh, one last topic for you, man. Um, and I actually thought of you when I was going through this. So I need your advice. Um, so I, my wife and I have been together forever. And one of the um, unintended benefits of that is that her friend base is basically my friend base now. You know, we've known them forever. So we were out with her group of friends and they started talking about the Warriors. And I know this one couple kind of well, not super well, but we've met before. And they start telling me things about the Warriors. Um, they've got opinions on staff. They think that Draymond is getting old. Uh, they were hoping that Durant would come back. And they're not asking me anything. They're just, you know, just looking for an informational dump. And so I'm sitting there, and all I had to do was play it cool. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to say anything about a podcast. I don't have anything that I, like, I'm a Warriors fan, nothing. But instead of playing it cool, I went the exact opposite direction. You know, I casually and super douchely uh, mentioned that, oh, I do have this podcast and I've been to a couple of practices and I watch all the, I mean, I, I suddenly find myself dropping my resume because I desperately want to impress essentially. I did. I actually, I brought my bobbleheads with me and brought them out. And, you know, oh, and that suitcase that you're always carrying that's, around? Yeah, that's the one I carry around my neck. That's exactly right. I said, oh, this, they hadn't asked me about it. This is my bobblehead connection. I said, but it leads to this, right? So. I can't keep my mouth closed. And that's not the only scenario. I, I can be out to eat and the table next to us is talking and I want to like stop in and be like, just so you know, I know a ton about the way. So for you, right, you cover uh, the NBA for a living. You have yeah. done sports forever. Sure. When you hear other people talking about sports, do you feel the need to kind of drop authority and let them know who the hell you are? Or can you sit back and, and allow it to play out? So I think I'm the opposite of you. I completely fall back. I completely fall back. Really? I don't know why. And it's actually something that I'm not happy about. It's something that I've thought of. I'm like, I should, 
I should be more, even when I'm in the, not like when I'm in the conversation, if I'm not in the conversation, I completely fall back. I don't yeah. care. If you want to be wrong about sports, that's your life. you be wrong about sports. <laughs> that's fine. Um, when I'm having a conversation, I think it's, I think that that part to me is like the journalism part in me yeah. is I do like to listen to other people because I also do think that I get into such like a, I feel like I get into like this loop of, and I'm in a bubble of people who all think the same way and watch, you know, NBA every single night, the way that I do yeah. that we all just kind of agree on things. When you're on Twitter, you just sort of agree like, Oh, Robert Covington is the greatest player ever. We're all just going to talk about Robert Covington this way. All right, cool. Uh, three and D is the way to go. But um, I like to hear what other people, I was going to say casuals, but that sounds super douchey. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> have to say about the nba because i'm genuinely curious what their opinions are and then i'll disagree with them but i do fall back a little bit i do fall back a little bit i'm not trying to win arguments with anybody it turns out secretly you are a little douchey about it if you've separated us into casuals and then people do it for a living i think that that was the most telling portion of your in particular answer right there i will i'll take it a step further if i find myself in a conversation with another warriors fan I desperately start thinking of a name from the past that illustrates to them how long I've been rooting for them. It's normally Vontigo Cummings because that's the one yeah. that like everybody uses, but I'll like Ike Diagu. I'll try to come up with some name that screams, oh, I've been here for a hell of long. And if yeah, they don't they, recognize they, it, I'll just tell them that, oh no, I've been here for a hell of long. No one's ever impressed, by the way. It's never like, no one's ever walked away thinking I was cooler, but I do it every when, time. When you get, when, when, another, when the other person like vehemently disagrees with you, do you come back stronger or do you just let them have it? Depends. Most of the time I'll go even douchier up front. Like, well, when I was talking to Steve Kerr and then hope that that, that wins the argument in and of itself, you know, right. um, if, if that doesn't work, yeah, I'll just get louder uh, <laughs> depending, depending on the argument. But yeah, I don't back off at all. I make it worse as often as I can. It depends on how wrong they are. And uh, if they're really, really wrong, then I back off because at that point you're just like, all right, I'm, there's nothing I could say to you, dude, that's going to change your mind. You're, you're just, you're too wrong. Like I can't, I, in the next five minutes, I'm not going to get you from this wrong to even a little bit right. So this is a, this is a, a lost cause. I've had um, someone tell me they were expecting a big season from Magic Johnson. I was like, ooh, I know. Like, okay, now I don't necessarily have to show anything. To Lakers you. are back. It's like it's like people who like, are like, I don't, I don't get it. I would trade for Russell Westbrook. You're like, you know what? I'm just not going to have this conversation. I'm, just, I'm out. I'm out. It's, it's like people who think that the Warriors desperately needed David Lee to win the championship over Timothy Mosgosp. You know, it's just, just random takes like that. Yeah, there's just no coming back from that. <laughs> Wes, I missed you, man. And I am sure I'm not alone. For people who need way more Goldberg in their life, where do they go? Locked on NBA podcast every Friday morning. We have a lot of fun. Me and my co-host Adam Marez from DNVR Sports uh, out in Colorado. And then um, if you want to listen to Locked on Heat, it's there every day. And uh, Twitter at WC Goldberg. And uh, just, uh, yeah, follow me there. Twitter, Instagram. And we're going to have some cool writing things over the course of the season in some different places. And uh, really excited for the NBA season to get started here. Check them out. You know what? We appreciate Wes. I'll put it differently. Wes doesn't cover this team anymore, and I'm still desperate for his opinion on almost all thing Warriors, which is a fast way of saying make sure you go out and follow him for us. You want to get us a question? Let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. Shoot us an email. That's uh, huddle at warriorshuddle.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, which is at Warriors Huddle. With that in mind, go Warriors, and hopefully see you next week. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.